Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. A reading from the Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. The mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the steward. So they took it. And when the chief steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And then the inferior wine, after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana and Galilee. And he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We read today from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God that activates them in everyone. Paul reminds the church in Corinth that everybody is different that God works differently in different people. And that each of these people have unique gifts that are each given for the common good of all. We all have different abilities. We all have our own unique way of looking at the world. And this diversity is a gift from God for the sake of everyone. The gospel passage today is also Like, I think, Paul's description of the church, it has many characters, many perspectives, and it shows us many ways of relating to Jesus and the thing that Jesus did once at a wedding reception a very long time ago. Especially with rich and complex gospel narratives like this one, one of the tools that I have found helpful in reflecting on a biblical story 
is to consider and name the perspectives, the unique perspectives of all the different characters in the story. And then to ask myself, who in this story do I relate to? Which one reflects my situation, my gifts, my role in the story? So in this passage that we just read, do you feel perhaps an affinity with the couple who is getting married? whose wedding turned out way better than they had planned, all because they remembered to invite Jesus, because they opened wide the doors of their party and their relationship, and they received from their hospitality more than they ever imagined. Or maybe you relate to the parents of the groom, who were about to be embarrassed and shamed in front of all their family and friends and the whole community for not having enough wine to keep the party going. Whether it was an oversight on their part or carelessness or perhaps some accident, maybe just their lack of resources. They just didn't have what they wanted to give their child the best start in life. And then somebody came in and rescued them from the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt that they must have felt. What a relief it must have been for them. Or maybe you see yourself in the wedding planner who maybe didn't even realize yet that there was a problem, but then the problem fixed itself. Life is good. I don't know how, everything is fine, let the show go on. Or maybe there are days that you have the experience of the wedding guests. Hey, this wine is pretty good. I wonder where they got it. Maybe, like them, you just enjoy your good fortune and never stop to think about how it happened. Or then, there are the servers. These are the working stiffs who get the job of filling up 30-gallon jugs of water in the days before indoor plumbing and then hauling them around. These are the people who actually know what's going on, and yet nobody pays attention to them enough to ask them about it. If you've ever felt overworked and underappreciated, you know what it's like. Of course, perhaps we could identify with the disciples of Jesus who have not been following Jesus very long here at the start of his public ministry and who have never seen anything like this before. And they probably are just trying to figure out what happened. Wait, wait, wasn't that water in, in those jars? What's going on here? What have we stumbled across? What am I being asked to be part of here? Their feeling of being amazed and wanting to know and to understand and to see more, but also being a little dazed and confused by what they've just witnessed. And we could also identify with Jesus himself, who in a very human way expresses his feeling that it's not time yet. 
He's not ready to take this thing public yet. He's being pushed by his family and by the needs of others beyond what he feels ready to do. And although he eventually gives in and responds, there is a hesitancy and a questioning about Jesus that feels very relatable to me. And then there is the mother of Jesus, who plays a central role in the story. There are several things about her that are worth paying attention to. For one thing, she's the one who notices that the wine has run out. Not everyone has noticed the problem. Jesus doesn't seem to have noticed. Probably a lot of others at the party also. Everybody else still has a glass in their hands. Most people haven't re- yet realized that in a, mo- in a moment the party is going to come to a, crash- to a crashing halt. That disappointment and embarrassment are right around the corner. But Mary sees it, and she's worried. Have you ever felt that the wine has run out? You can sense it. The party's still going on. Maybe other people don't see it yet, but you do. Maybe the light has gone out of a marriage or of a friendship or of a job. You and everybody else are still going through the motions, but you know something's missing, something's not right. And you wonder, is it safe to say something? How will people react if I name and bring out into the open what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing? Am I ready for their reaction? If you've ever been in a situation like that, you know how much anxiety and worry it can cause. If I stand up and say, the emperor has no clothes, if I stand up and say, the wine has run out, what's going to happen? Or you might look at our country and our society in general. You know, we call, we say, tell ourselves that, you know, we live in the best country in the world, and in some ways this is an amazing and wonderful place that many people in the world still long to come to and be part of. And yet, when you look at the number of people who are ready to engage in political violence, when so much of what we take for granted is threatened by climate change, how much longer can this last? How hard it's been for us to cope with the disruptions raised by COVID. On this Martin Luther King weekend, we can see how real the advances in civil rights have been in this country, and yet how both insufficient and fragile those advances in civil rights and equality have been. A lot of people today read the news and think, the wine has run out and the party is about to turn ugly. And even in the church, sometimes we wonder, if the wine has run out. It's no secret that today a lot of people don't have the same relationship to the church that they used to. Even in our own families, we know people who just don't find anything useful in the church anymore. And people can ask, has our wine run out? 
When did we stop providing something that our neighbors wanted and took joy in? And where can we get some more? On any of these questions, perhaps on all of them, we can relate to Mary. The one who noticed that the, one, the wine has run out, that she's the one who sees that there are problems, and so what does she do? Well, in the story, she does a couple of things. First, she brings the problem to Jesus. She knows that even if she sees a problem that nobody else sees yet, that doesn't mean it's her responsibility alone to fix it. She names the problem before the one she knows has the ability to help. It might seem like a formality, something that goes without saying, but taking the time to identify the problem and then placing it in God's hands is something that's worth doing. And then, you know, she doesn't try to tell Jesus what to do. Maybe she has an idea about what Jesus can do. Maybe his solution to the problem surprised even her. But she knew it was not her role to tell God how to fix the problem. Her spiritual gift was to sense and to name the problem. This is enough. She didn't try to take on what wasn't hers to do. And she was okay with not having all the answers. That freed her to do what was her gift and her calling to do. And finally, she has faith that Jesus will solve the problem. I mean, when Jesus, when she tells Jesus the wine has run out, his first answer to her is basically no. But she knows her son better than that. So she turns to the servers and says to them, do whatever he tells you. She knows he's going to do something, and she knows him well enough that whatever he's going to do, he's not going to do it by himself. He is going to involve others. And so she not only has faith in Jesus herself, she invites other people to have faith and get involved too, because she knows that's how Jesus works. What Jesus accomplishes at the wedding of Cana is actually pretty cool. His coming out as the party as the Messiah is to give everybody a good time. Unlimited quantities of high quality wine to keep people celebrating and enjoying each other and themselves. An occasion to bring families together, to make new friends, to generally enhance our joy as individuals, and as a community. Jesus embraces this occasion and makes it even better and more delightful. It's a beautiful and amazing picture of what the reign of God is like. It's not about complying with laws or getting let off the hook for sins or giving up all the fun things in life. It's about being invited into a delightful celebration of community. I don't know about you, but I am definitely down for this kind of religion, for this kind of a God. And every wedding embodies the hope of a wonderful and delightful celebration, not just on that day, but 
on all the days to come, the hope of abundant joy and festive hospitality and people coming together, not just for the wedding party, but for the whole married life of the couple that's about to begin. That hope is present in every wedding. It's hope That hope is present at every Sunday morning church service. It's present at the beginning of every new day. The hope for a joyful and delightful community filled with new and unexpected blessings. And when our hope is frayed because it feels like the wine has run out, this is the moment to name our fear and to bring it to Jesus. It's the moment to do what we've been asked to do. Even if we don't understand how God is going to use it or to bring it all together, this is the moment to have faith that the joyful celebration we all long for is something Jesus can deliver. And that whatever opportunity we've been given to participate in the work of Jesus will give us a taste of the truly excellent wine to come. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online or if you're in Northern Virginia in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. For more information about us, please visit our website at epiphanylutheran.org. Thank you.